Well, I just want to start off by saying this to you guys real quick. Uh, something that I've that I've personally have been praying uh, lately is this: is that simply, God, would you give us ears to hear? And God, will you give us ears to hear? And kind of with that is this: and, and will you please help us? And maybe the the right words: will you help us have enough courage to align ourselves up with what you were saying? And uh, you know, so part of this for today isn't just. What I hope you will see that it's not just me that needs to be praying this, but it's it's all of us as a body that needs to begin to pray. God, give us ears to hear and help us come in agreement with what you're saying. Now, the reason I believe that prayer is so important is because of this, is because I believe God wants to uh, reveal his heart to us in a greater way uh, for what the future of Celebration Life uh, needs to be. Amen? So, in other words, it's very important that obviously that all of us go together, right? Not just one or two. So, the, the two scriptures that kind of keep coming to my mind in this is this. is Matthew sixteen eighteen. This is where Jesus said this. He said, I will build my church. Two scriptures keep coming. I will build my church and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell shall not prevail. That's a really good scripture, isn't it? The second scripture that keeps coming to mind is Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, where he says this, Go therefore and make disciples. Now, without giving too many details to you this morning, uh, there's a few things that I think uh, that we need to see, me and you guys. The first one is this, is that it's his responsibility to build this church, not ours. Amen. In other words, we don't need to take something on ourselves that's not ours to carry. The second thing is, is that he wants his church to be built his way, not our way. So kind of with those thoughts is this. If, if you look at that first scripture there in Matthew 16 where he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. What's the key part to make sure the gates of hell will not prevail? It's allowing him to build his church. Amen. So if you and I basically try to assume the responsibility of building this church through our ways, through our programs, through our events, our agenda, our wisdom, then guess what? Then the gates of hell will prevail. Are you hearing me this morning? So, listen, it doesn't mean that that if we try to do something maybe our way that we're going to shut the doors next week. But what it does mean is this, is that we won't be as effective and fruitful as what God desires unless we do it his way and allow him to do what he does best. Amen. So, listen, with that said, it doesn't mean that you and I don't have a part uh, to play in this master plan because we do. Okay, we do have a part to play. We're co-laborers, so we are actually building the church with him. But our part is this, is that he uh, basically entrusts us. And I really want you to hear that word this morning, that he entrusts us and he empowers us to make disciples. That's our part, right? According to the Great Commission. We all know that that is, a, uh, that is not a suggestion. It is a command, correct? So, listen... Uh, with, with kind of those thoughts in mind, and I'm just talking real quick, and we'll pray, and we'll kind of begin what we're going to talk about today, just kind of giving you a few thoughts to kind of chew on, is uh, when it comes to that, that he, he's building his church, but our part is to build disciples, I think it's really, really important that you and I, uh, that we not only embrace, but we also commit to a culture of discipleship in this church. Because once again, you know, we're asking, Lord, give us ears to hear and help us come in alignment with what you're saying. Help us come in agreement. And that part of that agreement is by what we embrace and what we commit to. And what we commit to just isn't from our heart to go, yay, Pastor, that's a great idea. But it's what we actively uh, engage ourselves into and become a part of. Are you all following me? 
So, so um, anyways, all right, so let's pray real quick, and uh, we'll get going. Because I told you guys uh, two weeks ago that, obviously, we've been talking about culture, and culture is simply this. It's a way a group of people do life together. And so part of the way we are going to do life together is embracing not only community, but it's also embracing a culture of discipleship, amen, that we are all individually engaged in that. And, and let me even throw this out there. Maybe this is a, a premature thought. But when you look at the word and you understand what discipleship really means, bottom line, if you're not being discipled by someone or if you're not discipling another person, I'm going to be bold enough to say this, that you're not in the will of God, according to the Bible. Okay? So with that doozy, let's pray. (laughs) Good deal. Father, we thank you for your word today. Uh, Lord, our heart's desire is not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of it. And so, Father, today uh, we choose to not uh, make the mistake that the Israelites made where it says that they heard your word, but they didn't mix it with faith. Today, God, we hear your word with faith. And, Father, we thank you that faith causes us to uh, bring about action in our own lives, God. So would you help us to commit to what you are doing? Will you help us to embrace what you're doing? So, Father, we say collective as a body today, God, will you give us ears to hear, God, what you were saying, and give us the courage and the ability to come in alignment with it. And, Father, you know our heart's desire, uh, God, is to be together in unity and go forward together. So, Father, we just believe, God, that you won't just speak uh, to one or two people, but, God, you'll begin to speak to all of us, God, what your heart is. And, Father, give us the ability to discern what is of you and what's not of you. And so, Father, we just bless you, and we thank you today, God. We're so encouraged by the fact, God, that you're the one that builds the church, not us, that we don't have to carry a burden that we're not not designed to carry. And Lord, we don't have to feel the weight and the pressure of it. But Lord, we just trust you in it. And so Lord, we thank you for that today, uh, that you said that even the gates of hell would not prevail. And so Father, thank you for what you're doing in this region. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So listen, two weeks ago when we started this section of the series, I told you guys that when I gave my life to Jesus, that when I got saved, that I dove headfirst into the church structure. You guys remember that? Uh, you know, basically... What I meant by that is that I went to almost every service, every special event that my church had because in my limited understanding of God and my limited understanding of what I thought Christianity was supposed to be, I thought it simply meant this, going to church faithfully and then trying to be good and then trying to hang out with good people. Anybody ever been there? That's uh, so not what it is. <laughs> Amen. But as the months went by, I began to realize this, and I think there's a people that can really go, yes, Pastor, I, I, I'm, uh, I so get you on this. But I realized as the months went by, just trying to be faithful, just trying to be good, hanging out with good people, I realized that there was something more to this thing called Christianity than what I experienced uh, up to that point. In other words, all I experienced was forgiveness, all I experienced was attending church, and once again, trying my best to be good. And I want you to know that uh, trying your best to do good is not fun. Amen. When you're trying to do it in your own power. So anyways, the the funny thing is, is like so many other people, even though I knew there was something more out there, uh, I didn't even have a clue what that more was, much less uh, know how to go get it. Anybody ever been there? Yes. So listen, it wasn't until I began to intentionally uh, and I want to stress that word that I intentionally began to cultivate my relationship with God through consistent uh, study of the word, consistent prayer time and consistent worship time. And I want to stress by what I mean by worship time. 
I didn't, I don't mean coming to church and singing along with everybody else in worship. What I mean is, as I begin to seek my own private time, as I begin to worship Him in my own closet, when I begin to cultivate all of that, that's when I discovered the more that I was longing for. And I discovered that that more was available only through a deep, intimate relationship with Him. Amen? So, you know, ultimately I realized this, that that intimate relationship was only found through making a commitment to the area of discipleship. Y'all follow me today. So, listen, so the one thing that hindered me in this is, is, is finding that more. The thing that hindered me was, is I, is I basically, from a lack of understanding, I didn't know what a disciple was. I didn't know, I didn't know what it was. Basically, I, I kind of viewed a disciple as one of the 12 guys that walked around with Jesus. And so, basically, you know, I, I looked at these guys, you know, that walked around with him for three and a half years. We all know them. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Matthew, uh, Bartholomew, uh, Thomas, James, uh, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot. There's a test on that later. So, anyways, so I thought, obviously, if I wasn't one of those guys, then, then there was no need to take it personal. There was no need to take the, this title, this identity of disciple personal, because I wasn't one of them. But as I grew my knowledge of the Bible, I realized that God considered, please get this, that God considers every Christian a disciple of Christ. Okay? In fact, when we look at the Bible, we see that believers were known as disciples long before they were ever known as Christians. And uh, let me show you a quick verse. We find this in Acts eleven twenty six. It says this. It says this, says it may be a different translation. So it was that for a whole year, they, talking about Paul and Barnabas, assembled with the church and taught a great multitude or great many people. Watch this last part. It says, and the disciples were first called and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. You get that. So they were known as disciples way before they were ever known as Christians. So. Basically this, so not only does God consider every real Christian a disciple, I believe he also considers the term or the title, the identification, however you want to say it, of a disciple, it's a big deal to him. In fact, if you and I look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and if we look at the book of Acts, we'll find that the word disciple is used over 270 times just to describe those who follow Christ. That's a big deal, isn't it? 270 times. So I begin to understand that even though God views every real Christian as a disciple, it didn't necessarily mean that every person that called themselves a Christian was a disciple. Are you all following me today? Listen, I, you know, as you guys can tell by my accent, I didn't grow up around here. <coughs> I, I grew up in the Bible Belt. And, uh, you know, part of the Bible Belt is, is so many people claim to be Christians. And, and you find when you, when you go talk to them, uh, they think they're Christians just simply because they know a few Bible verses. They, knew, they know a few Bible stories. Uh, you, you know, somehow, uh, you know, they go to church occasionally or they acknowledge something that Jesus did or what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago. And they think somehow that that qualifies them as a Christian. And, uh, you know, I remember being a young believer because, uh, you know, I didn't get saved until I was really started walking with God until I was 18 years old. And I began to look at people that I went to school with, people that I knew that said they were Christians. And then I began to read the Bible. And, and it wasn't that I was judging them, but I was trying to see, okay, this is what the fruit of a Christian should be. And this is their lives. And, and they're saying they're Christians, but I don't see it there. And I remember just basing my own heart going, you know what? Something isn't right there. 
Has anybody ever been there? There's just something's not lining up. I'm, I'm not seeing them and, and the Bible, and, and that's just not coming together for me. So what I begin to do is I begin to ask the question, what is a disciple? And, you know, basically this. This morning is just super foundational. If, uh, you know, you're a deep theologian, we'll get into that next week. Okay? Pastor Brian will be preaching in a few weeks. He'll give you the deep things. All right? So... Um, so basically, I'm going to ask, what is the disciple? First of all, this, please understand this, that the word disciple is a relational word. It is a relational word. The word disciple is a relational word. And uh, basically, it's this. When you look at it, it, basically, that word, it's a connection between two people. Are you following me? So it's a connection. It's relational. It's, it's obviously us connecting with God, but it's also connecting to someone that is discipling us, or it's us connecting with someone else in a relational way that we personally are discipling. So when you look at the Greek language, uh, the word disciple means this. And you guys have probably heard it before, but it means, it means a learner, a learner, a pupil, a student, a learner. And it's this, one who follows both the teaching and the teacher. One who follows both the teaching and the teacher. Now, I want to stress something. When you look at the Greek language there, it is, it's not just a learner, but it's one who puts forth effort. And, and I think that was the thing that I was seeing with so many people is they came to church. Maybe they asked Jesus in their heart, but they never moved beyond that because for some reason in their mind, they thought this thing was going to be set on autopilot. And if they just kind of showed up to church faithfully, that in 20 years that they would be in this deep place with God. Are you all following me? So, in fact, I remember uh, when I lived in Lafayette, Louisiana, there was a man that walked up to me after church one day. And I, at that time, I think I've been a Christian three years. And, and I don't say this in a bragging right, just kind of prove a point here, uh, because God knows I had a long way to go. But, but this man, his name was Kendall, he, he looked at me and he didn't say for 20 years. And he said, you know what, I wish I had what you had. And I remember sitting there thinking, uh, you could have it, it's available, you just don't want it. And the reason is, is because, once again, there was something inside of him that said, you know what, if I just attend church, if I bring my wife, if I bring my family, that ultimately somehow, someday, I will get to some deep place. And guess what? It doesn't work that way. If you're going to be a disciple, there has to be a putting forth of effort from your part. Amen? It was a great place to say amen. I know I'm from the south, okay, and I know that southern thing, right? But, hey, that's fun, okay? So, listen, so in a Christian sense, the word disciple, it it refers to this. Please hear this. So we're talking about in the Christian sense of the word disciple. It's one who is so closely related, once again, relationally, it's one who is so closely related to Jesus that he not only wants to learn his teachings and obey him, but he wants to become like him. That's the key part. He wants to become like him. So let me give you uh, maybe an example, okay? Um, When we study... Secular and history, uh, secular and biblical history, sorry, we find that the uh, basically the way of discipling people wasn't just uh, restricted to Jesus. It was a part of the culture. It wasn't an uncommon thing. So real fast, I'm going to give you an example. Um, Mr. Ben, if you could come here, stand over here. Noah, if you could come here real quick, stand here. Let me show you basically how a relationship, if you go this way, this way, um, show you just an, uh, basically a picture of the way a uh, discipleship relationship worked, okay? So obviously in the Bible, we had these guys that were known as rabbis or teachers, right? And rabbis or teachers, they would select disciples, and here's basically how it would work, okay? Is basically Noah's goal when he submitted 
to the disciple or to the rabbi, his goal was to become like him. So what he would do is he would literally try to follow every one of his steps. He literally watched every move that he made. So if it came to the Sabbath, and if you study basically uh, Jewish tradition, you'll find out that they can only travel so far on the Sabbath day. And if they go beyond that, basically that point, then they would be breaking the Sabbath, okay? So or they'd be working on the Sabbath. So what, what Noah would do is he would watch and see how many steps Ben actually took on the Sabbath, and that would begin to be how many steps he would be willing to take on the Sabbath. Are you following me? So he would watch and he would see how many hours that Ben memorized and studied the scriptures, and then that would be the amount of hours that he would study and memorize the scripture. He, he would literally look and watch, and this is where it got personal, and you'll understand how he had access in a minute to this, but, but he would watch how he treated his wife, and that's how he had treated his wife. He would watch... How he treated his kids, and that's how he would treat his kids. Are y'all following me? Now watch, because this process was super detailed, he would literally watch and go, okay, what's the length of his hair? Well, that'll be the length of my hair. Crazy, huh? He would even go, okay, what kind of prayer shawl does he use? That's what kind of prayer shawl I use. He even go, okay, how does he eat? That's how I eat. How does he sleep? That's how I'll sleep. And, and watch this. He even got to the point of this. I'm not trying to be gross, but I want to really stress this point. He would literally... Uh, Follow his bathroom habits. So when Ben would go to the bathroom, Noah would go in there and he would watch. Seriously, he would watch how he would handle his business because the goal was to become so much like him that he would literally do everything he did. All the way to the point of not to be crude, but wiping like he wiped. That's how, that's how in depth this relationship was. Are y'all following me today? So, so... Listen, in, in almost every way that we can imagine, the life of the rabbi was to be transferred to the life of his disciple. Go follow me. Give these guys a hand. They did great. So this is a really important thing, though. I, I want you guys to understand about this process. The, the rabbi was the one that always chose his disciple. A disciple can never come to the rabbi and say, hey, will you disciple me? Couldn't happen. And, and, you know, even if he did, he'd get rejected at that point. It was always up to the, the rabbi or the teacher to choose or to handpick uh, the ones that he was going to disciple. And the reason uh, this was so important and the reason the, they were so intentional in this process is because if, if Noah, the disciple, if he messed up, the people around that were following, in other words, the people that came, Okay, let me let me give you maybe a better picture here. Uh, each village, each each uh, region would have a rabbi, and each rabbi had his disciples. And so, what would happen is is if if Noah was one of his disciples and Noah blew it, if Noah messed up, then that then that village, that region would look past Noah, and they would blame him because they were expecting basically him to be so much like him that it had to be his fault. Are y'all following me? So what happened was, is when it came to choosing of the disciple, the rabbi would be extremely picky because he knew if that guy messed it up, he could ruin his reputation. Now, to kind of put that uh, real quick, not to make us uh, feel bad because that's not the goal, but for us to see maybe a different importance of, of our Christian life, to understand that that is still happening today, that as Christians... We obviously have a rabbi, if you will, a teacher who is Christ that we are a disciple of. And when we blow it and we look bad, guess what? People don't look at us. They blame him. And, and what happens is, is when we blow it in front of people and we lose our cool and we, and we start hollering and shouting and losing our mind, are you following me? They look, they look beyond us and they blame Jesus. 
And, and, you know, once again, the reason I want to say this, because, I, you know, I keep being so, um, you know, I guess in awe of the fact that there's 2% Christian in this region. You, you know, we were talking, my, my dad was talking last night, he read this thing in a, in a, in a book, that 46% of the state that I'm from, Alabama, goes to church. So, but, so the question I asked with the 2% is somewhere along the line, do they not want what we have? That's the importance. That is why it's so important that we walk the walk and we talk the talk so much like Jesus that people see something in our life that they go, man, I want that. Because one thing I've noticed in this region is this, and somebody else said this to me the other day, is they don't see their need for God. They don't see it. I, I don't know about you, but, but listen, um, they should. <laughs> I just said they should. Yes? Yes? So, so what, what should happen, though, in this is, is once again, that, that they can look at a Ben, that they can look at an Angela, that, you know, that they can look at a Kyle and a Cass, and they go, you know what? They have something that I don't have. And then what will happen is they come to us and go, hey, tell me what that is. And that's the reason the Bible says that we should always be able to give an answer to the hope that's in us. Right? In season, out of season, we should be able to give uh, uh, basically a, a response to here's the gospel. Amen? All right. So going back to this. All right. The, the concept of discipleship, I want you to hear this today. The concept of discipleship is what God invited you to when you got born again. Okay? In other words, it, you know, so many people think, and I'm not saying it's you, it's probably your neighbor, but, but so many people think that, if, that when they get saved, that that's it. I got my sins forgiven, and now I got a hope. You know, hope to God that I can live the next 40, 50 years and not live a rough and left life. So when this thing ends, I get to go to heaven. What fun is that? Are, are you all following me? So but but here's what I want you to think about. Um, you know, I especially in people who, uh, um, you know, who really love Jesus. It's like they have this desire to go back to what's in the book of Acts. To see the miracles, to see the signs and wonders, to see the power of God. And I so get that. That's the kingdom. And that wasn't for just a short period of time. That is, should still be happening today in us. Right? Same spirit of God lives in us, lived inside of them. Not a different one. Okay? So we should still be seeing that stuff. But, but here's what I want you to see. Everything that happened in the book of Acts was a byproduct of discipleship. Everything. It was, it was you know, take Judas out of the mix, 11 guys. And then the multitude that Jesus discipled, everything that we read in the book of Acts came through that. Came through a teacher basically giving all that he had to an individual, and then they went and did what he told them to do. Right? So if we are sitting here today and we're going, okay, we want that, well, how's it going to come? L- listen, 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave us Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. right? Over 2,000 years ago. Has he ever changed that plan? No. But here's, you know, something, here, here's what I love about God. You, you know, I, I know me personally, all the time, I'm not the greatest risk taker. I want, to, I want to somehow evaluate all the risk involved and make sure it's safe to go, okay, let's go. Anybody ever been that way? Okay. But think about it. Here is God who entrusted 11 guys with a message to change the world. God is the, my point is God is the greatest risk taker that he left his plan, his purpose in the hands of 11 guys who argued and fought and, you know, were so imperfect. And he basically said, okay, boys, go get them. 2,000 years, the reason this church is here today is because of discipleship. 
So watch this. So let me let me venture this out. If it's been that way for 2000 years, understand that the future of the church, this church and the church is basically depending upon our ability to be discipled and to disciple others. You understand that? So, so this is weighty. Once again, it's a big deal. It's not just something that we go, oh, that's neat. Let's start Sunday school. Well, that's not the answer. It's got to be so in us that it becomes who we are and it just naturally flows out of us. Are you following me? So, so even, even this, let me, let me kind of get ahead of where we will go maybe in future weeks. But as, as you older men and you older women, what are you giving to the next generation? What, listen, there's a well inside of you of revelation, life experience, and knowledge of walking with God. Who are the people that are behind you that are becoming like you? Does the Bible not say old men basically teach this to the younger men? Older women teach this to the younger women. That is, a, that is things that, if, listen, if we're going to believe the word, we've got to believe the word. Right? Now, I'm going to tell you this. If we're going to disciple people, it's going to require much sacrifice. It's not easy. There's nothing in the kingdom that is. Yeah? The easy part was to receive salvation. The easy part was to receive some, you know, gifts of the Spirit. The difficult part is walking this thing out. Right? Dying daily so that others may live. That's discipling people. Oh, hear me today. Amen. All right, so let me show you one passage of Scripture, and we will move on. Actually, we're going to sit on this. So Matthew four eighteen through 22, in all actuality. All right, here we go. Y'all got y'all's Bible? Why don't y'all go ahead and turn there, please? I already see this. I'm going to read a handful of scriptures. It's not just we're going to bump one. So I want you to see it in your own Bible. Matthew chapter 4. Let, let, let me say this. Let me clarify because I want to give some life here. Um, Listen, I don't, you know, if you're, if you're an older gentleman, older, older guy, whatever, if you've been in the faith a while, you know, I've been, I've been saved almost 20 years. So, you know, that's not to make you feel bad or, or to, you know, somehow, you know, dog you if you're not doing it. But I want to remind you that basically this, once again, that God has entrusted you with that. But not only has he entrusted you, he's also empowered you to be able to do it. In other words, he's anointed you. He's equipped you to do it. We just have to have the courage. And really, it it's really boils down to this, having the kingdom mindset enough to be able to go do it. Yeah? Because, unfortunately, the society we live in, it, it, it keeps us so busy. It, it, you know, basically, it, it almost like drives out time to do anything about the kingdom. It's like we're just happy if we, if we read, read the Bible today and we're happy if we prayed. We've got to get beyond that. Yes? Amen. All right, so Matthew 4. Did I give you all enough time? If you're there, say, oh, yeah. All right, Matthew 4, verse 18. says this, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So, you know, here's these guys. Obviously, you know, we know the, we know the end story. In other words, we know who they became. But if we could remember at this moment, almost like we were watching a movie for the first time, uh, you know, here's these four guys that are fishermen. They're from Bethsaida, and Bethsaida actually means uh, the house of fish. So here's fishermen. They live, in that, they live and grew up in the place called the house of fish. So we pick up here in verse 19. It says this. It says, Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It says in verse 20, They immediately left their nets and followed him. Let me give you something really quick. For years... I viewed this as basically that Jesus, 
You know, there's the guys. They're messing with their nets. Jesus walked by and goes, follow me. And, and everybody just, okay, let's go. That, that's, that's not what happened. That's what people preach, and it's very inaccurate. Actually, if you go to, if you go to uh, John chapter 1, not now, but if you go to John chapter 1, you'll find out that actually um, that Andrew and John were actually already John the Baptist's disciples. And so they were standing there that day when, Jesus, when John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And we know that that day that those two guys went to Jesus and they said, Master, where are you staying tonight? They spent the night with him. They also invited uh, Peter. They invited Nathaniel. And then they went, to, uh, they went to Cana where Jesus turned water into wine. So they followed him at a distance for, for you know, theologians believe for months, uh, just kind of watching his life. Are you following me? Kind of watching his life. And so and then actually, if you remember Luke chapter five that we read weeks ago when uh, Jesus was teaching the multitude from Peter's boat, that's actually the story that's tied to this one. They just kind of left all that out in the book of Matthew. So what's happening basically right before this is when Jesus told Peter to launch out into the deep, cast out your net and he called the great amount of fish. And they came and, and then he said, uh, you know, Peter fell down and said, uh, basically, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. And then Jesus's response was. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets at that point. Are y'all hearing me? So, so okay. I just want us to get the whole picture. So, so they were watching at a distance. But remember this. Remember, a rabbi chooses his disciples. So it was a really big deal when Jesus came by and said, follow me. In other words, that was the selection process. And we also find through the word that he spent the night before praying and seeking the father to figure out who that group was. So it was very intentional that God, that listen, that Jesus himself had to say, give me ears to hear so I can come in alignment, agreement, what you're doing. God, father, who are they? And the father showed him and then he went and selected them. Follow me. Y'all with me? All right. That was good, by the way. All right. Verse 19. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Verse 21. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Remember, they were there in that whole thing because they called for their partners. They came and helped them, right? And then it says, uh, going on from there, he saw the two brothers. It says, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, he called them and immediately they left the net, uh, they left the boat and their father and followed him. All right, let's break this down a little bit. So the first thing that I want to focus on is the two words, follow me. Okay, follow me. In the Greek language, that actually means, and I may just be a geek because I love this, but follow me means this. It means unity road. I love that. It means unity road. And what that was, if you understand that here is the king of kings, here's Jesus, the rabbi, the discipler, he is basically inviting them to come and learn, but not just come and learn facts, but he's encouraging them to come and learn of him. He's asking them, hey, would you come on this unity road? Would you come and do life with me? Are you all following me? In other words, everything that I do, you're going to do it with me. We're going to be in such harmony and such unity. Because why? We'll go ahead and kind of add this for because he knew Jesus knew I got three and a half years with these guys to prepare them and train them and equip them so they can do the work that I'm going to leave in their hands. Are you following me? So everything was very intentional. So once again, for that to happen, it had to be really close proximity. They had to do life together. So the next thing is this is is basically this is when you talk about following me in Unity Road, that he was inviting them into a deep, intimate relationship. So let me kind of add this here for for us. Um, 
I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus, I looked at certain people and I was like, wow, they're like super Christians. They're amazing. And they're, listen, the, 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 I remember actually the, the group that I went to and, and uh, my parents remembered this guy. His name was John Keith. He's the guy that uh, the Lord kind of used to help me get in the kingdom. I used to go, John is amazing. Oh, if I could pray like John prays. And I, I just thought this guy, I mean, you know, he was so holy. You know, I, I, I rem- in fact, I remember uh, getting in his car one day and I said, hey, check this out. And I put a CD in. He was listening to Keith Green. And I thought it was awful. Okay, I love Keith Green now, but I thought it was awful then. And, uh, and I put in an Otis Redding CD. And, and he took that out. You know, there's no secular music plays on my radio. I mean, this guy was hardcore, right? I mean, he, he was just like on it. I'm thinking, I just want to hear, uh, you know, whatever. I can't remember, Dock of the Bay or whatever the song was. I can't remember. Um, I mean, maybe the wrong artist. But anyways, he wasn't impressed. So, anyways, but, but so I, I thought, anyways, so I thought for years, Man, these guys, like, like they have this end thing with God. They have this deep, intimate relationship that's, that's been made available for them. The bottom line is it's available for everybody. You just got to go get it. Amen? That, that's the big thing. He invites us in. It's no, it's no different than if, than if Jen and I told you after church, hey, do you want to come to our house to eat lunch and let's go watch the Patriots play? Okay? <laughs> at, 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 the, at the end of that, guess what? It is up to you if you accept that invitation. It's not on me. I, I put it out there. It's on you if you get it. It's the same way in the kingdom. He invites us to come in. He's already tore the veil. He's made the way. Now it's up to us if we go get it, right? All right, so, so back to the follow me thing. Basically, once again, when he said follow me, here's, I guess, maybe the overall picture I want you to see, is that he, he, is inviting, he invited them and he is inviting us to come and have complete access Access to all he is and all that he has. Are you following me? That he has given us access to all that he is and all that he has. That's really what a covenant relationship is. Right? Maybe we'll teach on that. Okay. All right. So, all right. So, the second thing for this to take place, in other words, for us to be able to follow him, uh, or we'll say it maybe this way so we can stay in line. This is what had to happen for these disciples and us if we're going to follow him, if we're going to do that unity road. Second thing had to happen was this. There at the end of the verse, it said, immediately they left their nets. Now, what in the world does that mean? The, their nets, you have to understand, and, and that day, once again, these are fishermen from the, from literally from the, the house of fish. Their nets represented their identity. It, was, it was, wasn't just their livelihood. It wasn't just how they made their money and provided for their family. It was their very identity, and it was their reputation. Are you all following me? And so, you know, there, there's been this thing that's been preached uh, Wrong in the kingdom a lot. And it's this. They act like Peter was a very just poor little unsuccessful guy. According to church history, he was actually a very well-known and well-respected fisherman. And he was very successful in that world. Amen? So, in other words, he was a really good businessman. And so, basically, when, when Jesus came and said, follow me. And then he said, and immediately he, he left his nets. At that point, he had a course correction in his life. It is impossible to follow him without having a course correction in our lives. You know, what what I want you to see is basically this, is that when you really come into the kingdom, everything changes from the inside out. It doesn't mean that you always get it right because we're all going to fall flat on our face, right? The Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he's going to get up. There's grace and there's mercy, but there's something from the inside of us that now the Spirit of God lives inside of us. And he's working his way out and is dealing with, with us. 
in our flesh, right? We're dying daily. And so what's happening, though, is at the point where we said, okay, I'm going to drop in my, debt, my nets, that, that course correction happened. Is that right? So, so that's why, that's why it, it befuddles me when I meet someone that's been saved for 40 years and, and they still act like they've been saved for two. Because, you know, I just want to go, where was the course correction? Or were you just happy that you got out of your, you know, got to get out of hell free card? You, you with me? You, it's like you, if that was it, you missed the point. And so anyway, so going back to the nets, it, it's this, is that not only has everything changed, but it's we lay down our old identity and we pick up his. Because once again, what was happening, they had their identity that was in their nets. And when Jesus, the rabbi, who was in a complete different realm of work, are you feeling, are you feeling me? When they dropped his nets, he, he said, okay, I'm going to follow you. Now I've got to become like you. He picked up a new identity. You'll hear me. That's what happens in the kingdom. And so, because no longer was it about Peter's reputation in the business realm. It was about his reputation in the kingdom. It was about God's reputation. So, if you can understand this about discipleship, and I'll try to hurry here. It, it, it requires commitment. It requires surrendering. It requires obedience. If we're going to follow him, we have to have all those things in our hearts. And it's not this. That it's not that we have to have it perfect and down pat, but we have to be willing. Are you all following me? We have to be willing. I remember one time, the, um, basically this, I was repenting again for getting angry. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> Where you just have something, it's like you have to repent over it again and again and again. And it's almost to the point where you get embarrassed coming before the Lord and saying, will you forgive me? Because you almost feel like it's just like you're abusing grace in some way. And, and, but I remember one time, I, you know, this was years ago, I was probably... I was still in my 20s, so it's been a while. I, I lost my cool. I think I was 21 years old. And I remember saying to the Lord, uh, Lord, I know I repent about this all the time. Do, do you even forgive me? Do you even forgive me? And, and I heard the Lord clear as a bell say this. He said this, Quentin, as long as you desire to change, I forgive you. But the moment that you say this is the way I am, that's the moment that basically I am not pleased with you. Are you hearing me? So there's something inside of us that has to do, you know, Lord, I'm willing. In other words, I'm willing to surrender. I'm willing to obey. I'm willing to commit. Not once, but daily. We daily pick up that cross. Right? Amen? Amen. All right. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. That's, that's some hard truth, isn't it? No one can serve two masters. Guess what? He's even talking about ourselves there. Because the bottom line is we can become our own masters. But he wants to be the master. Once again, we're following him. So going back to the scripture there in Matthew 4. Last thing there. Third thing. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is really important to me here today, okay? Follow me and, watch this. Follow me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Here's a simple point I want to make. He calls us to himself first calls us to ministry second are you hearing me so you know what what the reason so many of us aren't as fruitful in the kingdom as what we should be is because we try to follow ministry first and him second and it doesn't work that way listen i got four kids i understand that intimacy always precedes fruitfulness are you feeling me 
I'm not not saying to be cute and funny, but there has to be a place of intimacy before you can be fruitful. So we always follow him first. And then the the natural outflow of following him comes ministry. Ministry should actually not be something that you have to conjure yourself up for. It should be something that flows naturally out of your walk with him. Yes, that's why Jesus could easily say, I'm about my father's business. It just came. It just flowed out of him. Amen. It's that whole thing that as you go. You, you are ministering to people. Yes? All right. So let's try to land this thing, okay? Um, when I was working on this, there was a question that kind of came to my heart. Because, you know, obviously, you know you, you know, you guys hear it, but I kind of hear it first. And I have to work over it for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And, and I'm getting preached at a whole lot more than you guys are. Okay? So, but while I was doing this, I, this, I just began to ask myself this, you know, um, you know, how much, how much of a disciple am I? You know, listen, let, let me even say it this way. Let me, let me kind of back up, kind of get ahead of myself. When, when we consider every bit of that that we talked about today, and, and, you know, I understand that part of it, you're sitting here today and you're evaluating your own life, but I want you to see something. When we look at all of that stuff of the relationship between a discipler and a disciple, it's really easy to understand uh, how uh, what we read in Acts 11 could happen. Let me just kind of remind you what we read in Acts 11. It said this. We read earlier. Sorry, I kind of jumped ahead of myself and tried to pull myself back in. Preachers do that. So um, it says this. So it was that for a whole year that Paul and Barnabas, once again, assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So do you see how, watch this, do you see how a disciple could ultimately be called to be a Christian when you look at the whole grand spectrum of what a disciple's relationship was, uh, what it was like with a discipler. Am I making sense to you guys? Sorry, hopefully I'm not confusing you guys. So, basically, it's this thought that, okay, so a disciple, once again, their goal is to become like the rabbi or by the teacher. And so when they looked at these people's lives in Antioch, they saw Jesus so much in them, they called them Christians. What does Christian mean? It means to be a little Christ. Right. To be Christ like that somehow that they looked in their life and they saw Jesus so much. They said, hey, we're going to start calling you a little Christian or a little Christ. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Because once again, because these are guys, once again, because they left their nets, they fully embraced and they fully committed themselves to the process of becoming like their rabbi that people saw. You know what? The, the, the way you speak, the way you talk, the way you do everything reminds us so much of Jesus. Man, we're going to call you a little Christ. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So, so here's the, let, me, let me go to the question that came to my own heart. So I asked, you know, um, in my own heart, do, do, am I enough like Jesus that somebody could say that about me? That was really the question that came to me, and I would like to present to you guys today. When someone looks at you, if you're at the bank, if you're at the grocery store, or if it's your family or all that, you know, listen, we've all fell in our face. So it's, listen, I've had plenty of times where I'm not like him. Okay, my wife will tell you. All right? My kids will tell you. But, but the goal is, is to continually submit enough and be obedient enough that I'm progressing in that continually, that I'm, a, that I'm a learning with effort and that I'm progressing daily to be more like him, that someone could look in my life and say, you know what? Hey, you really act like that Jesus guy. Are you all following me today? Listen, it, it's, it's possible. It's possible. Um, I, you know, I think I already told you guys. Nah, never mind. All right, here we go. Let me read a verse to you real quick. 
First John 2, 6 says this. I'm going to read two verses and we're done. All right. First John 2, 6 says this. And this is where I want to show you that's impossible. Impossible, not impossible. 2, 6 says, he who says he abides in him. In other words, he who says that he is a disciple, he who says that he's a Christian, it says, ought himself also walk just as he walked. Let me give it to you in a really layman's term. For those who claim to know him, walk like him. Plain and simple. So that's what the Bible is, is listen, is, um, is telling us to do. I love what, I love what um, Ephesians 5.1 says. It says, be ye imitators of God. Now, here's one thing that I've known for years. Please hear this, okay? This is the great part about God, is that he never asks us to do something without giving us the ability to do it through him. That's where it comes to, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not that a five and a half, you know, five, eight and a half white guy, you know, because I think I'm going to run and dunk a basketball. Well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if I quote that enough, then I'm going to be able to do that. You know, that's foolishness and presumption. You know, the bottom line, what is he talking about? That how can I do all things according to Christ is basically this, is what he's called me to do. And if he's called me to do it, he will empower me. That's the whole reason that he came and lived inside of me. Amen? So that's the part where we quit making excuses and we just go, you know what? That's on me. i got to make changes. Holy Spirit, will you help me? Will you help me? Last verse, real quick. Um, I'm going to read 1 Peter 2.21 to you. It will not be up there. Let me show you something here. Are you guys all right? First Peter two twenty one. That's what I'm going to read. All right, it says this. It says, for to this you were called. Somebody say called. You get that? For, for to this you were called. It says, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us a what? An example that you should follow his steps. We don't get more clear than that, does it? He gave us an example that we should follow his steps. Can I, can I even tell you that, this really quick? You know, there's two titles that Jesus went by in, in the Word. We see that he, that he is the Son of God, but you also see him called what? The Son of what? Son of Man. The reason he allowed himself to be called the Son of Man is because he wanted us to know as men and as women what was made available for those who committed themselves to God. You get that? We always say, well, he's God. Yeah, he's God, but he was 100% man. He still had to be tempted just like we were tempted, walk through things that we walked through, but yet he was sinless, Right. And, you know, and I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect, but the bottom line is, is he showed us what's available, even in the miracles and signs and wonders and all that, if we just submit and walk with the Father. It's, it's available. So watch this. Here's what it actually means here, though, where it says that, that he uh, suffered, leaving an example that we should, uh, leaving, leaving us an example that you should follow in the steps. The word example there actually is the word underwriting. And, and you know, what in the world does that mean? It means basically this. It means the tracing of letters. So in other words, that here's Jesus' life, and, and I'm sure you probably did this as a kid at some point. You, you take that thinner sheet of paper, and you lay it on top of that dark piece of paper, and then you trace the lines, and you draw the picture. It's, it actually means the writing of letters. In other words, that's where our life should be, that we are uh, coming up underneath the covering and the authority of Jesus so much that our lives are laid on him, and we're tracing his life 
with our lives so we ultimately look like him. Does that make sense? All right. So to land this thing, let's uh, let's go ahead and stand to our feet really quick. Um, is Rachel in here? No, Rachel's downstairs with kids. Miss Kim, if you can come play. So, real quick question. If you can just kind of close your eyes. We're not going to drag anything out this morning. Uh, really, what you do when you hear a message like this, the best thing you do is you can just go home and work it out in the prayer closet. Right? Is that true? Does that make sense? In other words, you go home in your own word time, your own, your own time with God, and you, go, and you just really ask the Lord, Lord, do I really look like you? Can you show me the areas that I don't look like you? Can you show me? You know, bottom line, I mean, even with me, you know, quite often, you know, you know Lord, how am I treating my wife in a way that's, that is, um, you know, that's your daughter. Am I treating her like you would? You know, these, these kids that you've given me, that you've entrusted me with, am I, am I raising them the way that you want me to raise them? And I'm going to be honest with you today. Look, I'm, I'm not a pastor that's going to put on a show. I blow it all the time in those areas. But I keep repenting and I keep asking God to change me. And I would like to think that over the 12 years I've been married that I'm becoming more like Jesus. I would like to think so. Okay? My wife's nodding her head, so I'm hoping that that means yes. Jesus helped me, right? So, you know, bottom line, when it comes to people, God, am I loving them the way you love them? Am I treating them the way you want to treat them? Are you with me? Am I being like him? Am I talking like you? Am I walking like you? So once again, the question is, is, is how much like Jesus are we? And, and then, then I guess the other question that I would want to ask you is, is have you in your own heart, with all eyes closed, have you, have you made the decision in your own heart to become his disciple? Not someone who just says, well, I'm thankful to be saved, but, but am I his disciple? Am I one that is such a learner of him and his life that I'm trying to not only obey his teachings, but I'm trying to, to follow after him and become like him? So real quick, once again, with all eyes closed, if you know uh, definitely the last one, well, let's go with the first one. If you know that there's areas in your life that you know of right now this moment that you need to become more like Jesus, just lift both hands. Awesome. All right, put your hands down. Second one, if you're in here and you know that you haven't made the necessarily the, the conscious, intentional decision to become his disciple, to really be that learner of him, lift both hands, please. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. You put your hands down. Let me make this statement really quick. Um, that you don't have to become a certain age before you can become that. Bottom line is, 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 you know, some theologians believe that even those guys that were fishermen, or not fishermen, the guys that followed Jesus, that they were teenagers. So you don't have to wait till like you're 40 years old to say, okay, I'm going to get my button gear and I'm going to do this now. The bottom line is, is the moment that you ask Jesus in your heart, he's invited you into that process. Amen. All right. So if you can, if you, that was, if you were one of them, lift both your hands, please. Father, as we lift our hands to you today, God, just in, just as an act of, basically just an act where we show that we're coming in alignment with what you're saying. God, we just ask today, Lord, that you would uh, reach down, Lord, and you would touch us. In fact, let me not even say, I don't even know why I said it, bottom line is in you. Father, I just pray, God, today that you would come with your grace and with your mercy, God, even now as you 
have already shown them the areas, God, that they're not like you. Father, I thank you for your empowering grace to come and to not make them feel bad, not to make them feel like they're worthless or or lack value. But, God, help them just understand, uh, God, how valuable they are and how much you want to help them to overcome the things that are in their life. And so, Father, we thank you today that today is a day of transformation. Today is a day of life change where we are becoming more like you. And so, God, we just give you full permission to do whatever you want to do. Lord, today we remove every excuse. And, uh, Lord, no longer will we say, well, my mom was that way. Well, my dad was that way. Well, you know, my aunt and uncle was that way. The bottom line, Lord, at the end of the day, when we got born again, we came into a new family. And all those other things of, of generational mess was cut. It was, it was done at that moment. We came into your family. And so excuses cannot stand, Lord. And so today, Father, we thank you, God, just for the challenge and, God, the empowering and the helping to become more like you. Because, Father, our goal is is to represent you, God, in this city, in this region. Uh, God, to represent you to our families, to represent you to our wives, our husbands, God, to our children. God, every person that we come into contact with, God, we want to be able to uh, give them an encounter with you because they came in encounter with us. And so, Father, thank you for even today those people that say, you know what, I'm going to make a decision to to enter into or to accept that invitation to become a disciple, to become a learner of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would give them strength, God, that you would give them courage. Lord, we pray, God, that even the fact that we know the enemy doesn't like that, that you would come and and just uh, put a hedge of protection around them, protect them, God, so they can move forward in you. And so, Lord, today... We just bless your people. Lord, I bless your people. Father, I thank you for their hearts. I thank you, God, for causing, God, a culture of discipleship to happen in all of us. God, would you begin to, even with us, begin to point out people, God, that we think that could disciple us and people that we could disciple. Lord, we pray, God, that we would begin to follow your word, God, there in Matthew 28, where it says, Go ye therefore and make disciples. Lord, will you begin to stir that up in our hearts, God? Will you stir it up in our hearts, God? Help us begin to embrace it. Help us begin to believe for it, to have faith for it, and God, to become in agreement with what you're doing. So, Father, today, Lord, we just love you. We honor you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. You guys can stay standing. God's good, right? Amen. I'm short, so I'm going to come up here. Got that from my mama. All right. That's truth. All right, so let me give you two quick announcements, and let, let me let me maybe say this. Uh, one thing that I want to that I personally want to see is kind of maybe embrace and change. You, you know, obviously when we when we say break, Amen, we're done. Uh, you know, I know that's kind of awkward. Um, you, you know, part of it, what I want you, if you're here and you need prayer, if you ever feel like, man, you know, I need to get right with God. Uh, you know, I, I I need healing in my body. You know, something's going on with these people that I know. Whatever it is, if there's something that's burning on your heart, you want prayer for. Uh, we're, we want to get into the, um, I won't say the habit, the pattern, whatever, but the the freedom to be able to come up front and ask somebody to pray for us, and, uh, and you know, just kind of get an agreement. We, you know, part of this. This discipling culture is to understand that we embrace prayer. Amen. And so let me let me maybe use that to segue into this. Uh, you know, over the last, I guess, I don't know, years, whatever, uh, you know, we we had prayer at eight o'clock uh, in the in the morning here at the church. We have changed that time from eight o'clock to eight forty five for a few reasons. Uh, 
you know, part of that so the worship team could be a part of that, but so also so you could be a part of that, um, you know, because we know it's hard for people to come two hours before church and to stay. So we're starting in sanctuary at 845, a time of prayer. and We'll pray to about 930. Uh, I thought this morning, you know, every, you know, obviously we're still learning and working out some kinks, but I thought this morning went great. I love the fact that there was an atmosphere of God's presence in here before people even came. And so, uh, you know, bottom line is, is we want to invite you guys to come and pray with us. I would love to see everybody come and just get engaged and get excited about what God's going to do. It's a great time not only pray, uh, you know, for the service that we're going to have, but also to pray and believe God for our region and believe for the lost. Because, the, you know, we have a promise in the Bible, y'all. And in uh, Psalms chapter 2, he said that if we ask for the lost as our inheritance, he would give it to us. So we got to call out for those people, right? Once again, it's not that we just set something on automatic and think that it's just going to happen. We as people have to walk in our authority and believe and pray and seek heaven and, and believe God to draw people. Amen? Yes? You know, more than likely, we would probably, you know, go around, the, go around the room. Somebody probably prayed you into the kingdom. Okay? So bottom line is, is God's still looking for people to stand in the gap for people that don't have family members that know him. So, we, you know, God knows them. We may not know their name. We not know, may not know their face. But God knows them and we can pray for them. Amen? Amen. Second announcement really fast is, uh, you know, there's a... Uh, quite a bit of you that were going to participate yesterday in the, call it right, the Rockport rock side clean, uh, roadside cleanup. Um, that was canceled, obviously, yesterday because of the weather. And so they pushed it back to uh, this Saturday. So once again, if you were if you were signed up for that or if you uh, want to get involved in that, we're going to do it this Saturday. So you can call the church office and uh, basically ask for information. It will also be on our website and on our Facebook Am I right with that? Okay, good deal. So, once again, uh, you don't have to rush. Service is over. We love you guys. You can stay and hang out, talk. Uh, let me let me actually throw one other thought. I have a lot of thoughts, as you can tell. Re- remember the other day. Uh, here, I'm, this may be awkward, but I'm just going to do it, okay? Because I heard this the other day. Because obviously when you're a pastor, you hear things a lot of times that other people don't hear. And so, you know, we've been encouraging you guys that after after service or sometime throughout the week to invite somebody, you know, maybe to eat, invite somebody to hang out, invite somebody, you know, over for lunch or whatever. Uh, you know, the other day there I heard about a couple that's been here for quite some time and uh, somebody asked them actually to go to lunch with them. And they went to lunch after church and they said that that was the first time that anybody had ever invited them to lunch. And uh, that and it was even this the first time that anybody ever really wanted to talk with them. Listen, this is the family of God. No one should ever feel like that, right? Everybody should feel like they belong. So, so don't don't minimize the the power uh, of an invitation to somebody just to get to know them, just to build a relationship with them. Once again, if we're going to be a community, then once again, it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take budgeting our money, whatever, to go out once a month or whatever it is. But but listen, the investment is well worth it. Amen. Because because listen, when you're going through something, you're going to want somebody there. It's going to be the people that are going to be there, the people that you have invested time with. And you want to not only just, uh, you know, mourn with those who mourn, but you want to rejoice with those who rejoice. You know, you want to celebrate life with people. Amen. Yes. It's a great place. To say amen. Amen. All right. Good deal. Well, God bless you. If you need prayer, a few of us will be up here. We'll, we'll be more than happy to pray for you. If you have a child, remember, please go get them. Okay. And sign them out. Amen. God bless you guys.